This is Digital Pathology Today. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. The world is changing, and not only because of the great new technologies we have in digital pathology, but also in the way we interact with one another. Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. We're talking with Dennis Strank, a pathologist assistant and the host of the People of Pathology. Dennis has created a unique podcast really to get to know the people in pathology, understand their motivations, their stories, and what insights they can share to help us all. This episode of Digital Pathology Today has been brought to you in part by JAV Advisors. With over 16 years experience, JAV Advisors focuses on business and management consulting for digital pathology and artificial intelligence in deployment within histology, pathology, and cytology laboratories throughout the world. Call 213-258-6268 for more information. JAV Advisors. Dennis Strank from People of Pathology Podcast. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I think it's a great new world we're entering into with social media and podcasts to really enhance our experience in pathology and help share ideas and and cross-pollinate. So maybe tell us a little bit about your podcast, The People of Pathology. The People of Pathology podcast, what I'm trying to do there is I interview people that working in pathology, lab medicine, different areas of forensic science. And what I'm trying to do is draw attention to these fields and also get the stories behind these people. I, I work with a lot of different people and I have over my career. You know, I'd like to know how, how did they get to where they are today? Sometimes they have interesting research or they've written a book or something like that. So then I get sort of uh, the backstory behind those kinds of things. So that's what I'm trying to do. And then also, hopefully the listeners uh, might be inspired by these stories and to, to check out these different fields and maybe pursue them themselves. So the people of pathology is really kind of what you're focusing on and really hoping to, to bring out. I think that's right. Yeah, that, exactly. That's fantastic. Cause uh, you know, as they say, they don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care or, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something like that. So I always think kind of the, the human side I think is, is crucial. You know, we can, go through very mundane and rote tasks, but then really understanding why we're doing what we're doing and looking to people who have done this before, who can inspire us and show us show us the way, or at least teach us a little something. I think that's fantastic. So, so how did you get started? What gave you the idea to start a podcast? Oh boy, this goes back to, I think, summer of, I think it was 2019. I was having a conversation with another pathologist assistant friend of mine, and we were, we were just talking about different podcasts that we liked. Uh, because we were both interested in them. And she said, we, we, were, we were talking about how there really weren't any podcasts focused on pathology. And she said, you know, you should start one. And, yeah, okay, whatever. So I researched, you know, wh- what do you need to do? What kind of equipment do you need and software and things like that? And I came to find out really wasn't that hard to do. And it really wasn't that expensive. And it's, I thought, well, all right, who am I going to have on as a guest? And she said, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book. You can interview me and, you know, just for, pra- for practice. Okay. So we did that and that became the first episode. And then after that, I just started reaching out to people on Twitter and LinkedIn and things like that. And it just kind of grew from there. You start something, it can be intimidating mm-hmm. and often it turns out maybe it's not as hard as you thought it was, or most likely the things that you thought were hard are not actually the hard part, you know? So kind of in my experience, like the actual mechanics right? The buying the microphone and hooking it up to your computer and, you know, scheduling your guests, that's not hard. But I think what is hard, or maybe tell me if you agree, is actually doing it consistently, 
right? Yes. You know, beyond, you know, maybe one or two episodes is good, but doing, you've done a lot. How many episodes have you done so far? Uh, I'm at 50, it'll be 55 this week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I would imagine 55 is, is kind of a, a challenge. Yeah. I think the, it's like, if you get to episode 11 or something like that, you're more than the average. That's, that's where most people quit or, or less than that. Yeah. And you're, and you're right. I mean, the, the actual mechanics of it was not that hard. And for me, a lot of the things were, I didn't want to spend too much time, you know, putting together a, a logo or figuring out, all right, what hosting platform am, am I going to use and whatever. I gave myself time limits on these things and because I knew if I waited too long, I would never do it. Yeah. And I think we're, we're also lucky in this era of social media and connectivity that we have people to look to look at, you know, kind of as mentors or right. people to inspire us that we don't even really have to know. We're trying to put something out there for free that hopefully is of value. But, you know, I don't kid myself that people, you know, that too many people are going to be listening. But I always remember a story uh, told by Chris Berman, who was, who was, you know, a famous sportscaster on ESPN. And he, when they first started ESPN, right, back in the early 80s, he, you know, he, he was doing SportsCenter at two in the morning and he figured, no, there's no way anyone's possibly listening, you know, but then he got, uh, you know, he got feedback that he would never have expected, like men giving their babies bottles at, at three in the morning would, you know, say, well, thank, you know, thanks for keeping me company. Thanks for, thanks for doing what you do. And he, you know, he was just blown away that people actually were out there listening. Yeah. So, you know, so what have you learned in your podcasting experience? You know, that's one of the things that people were actually interested in what I was doing, which, uh, like, like you said, that's that's a blessing, and, and I enjoy getting that kind of feedback as well. One of the things, though, like I think the major thing is everybody has a different story. I mean, I could talk to three different pathologists, asking them, you know, how did you get into pathology, and each one of them would tell a different story. Or even if it was a similar story, sort of the inspiration behind that was something different. And there's there's all these different things. And, and that goes back to, you know, I want people to listen to it, go, you know, that I'm, I, I have that story or that's, you know, I'm inspired by that too. And maybe I should look at this career as well. So that's one of the things that I, I learned from it. And another is pathology is, we're both, we're based in the, in the United States, but pathology is global. And pathology is part of public health, especially now with, you know, with COVID. And so those are things that, yeah, I, I knew before, but talking to people that are working in these areas, it's become more something that I think about a lot more. So those have been big lessons for me. I see. Now, is there anything that surprised you? Anything you thought, well, I would have never guessed this would happen in a million years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are actually interested in being guests on the show. I didn't expect that. I, I figured, you know, I'd reach out to a few people and maybe one or two would say yes. And it became nine out of 10 or, or something like that. It was very surprising. And then now nowadays, I reach out to people and they go, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I've been listening to you for forever. And I'm like, okay, I didn't expect that. So it was that kind of thing. And then I've got, I'm sure you've, you've experienced this too. You get listeners all over the world and it's like, how did they, how did they hear about this? How did they find out about me? So, so that, that kind of stuff is really surprising, but, but it's a good surprise. Who's actually going to agree to be a guest, you know, but I found right. everyone pretty much says yes. You know, I think if you, if you have a, a good reason to get them on the show and people want to hear what they have to say, you know, I think most of the time they're going to say yes, or they're going to want to take part. Yeah. Um, so how did, how did you get interested in pathology as a profession? That was, I guess it was a bit of an accident, really. I, I got out of college with a degree in biology 
I had intended to go into microbiology at the time. I got a job as a lab assistant in a histology department. And I remember at the interview, the, the HR person, you know, said something like, you know, what do you know about histology? And I said, uh, that's the study of tissue, right? Like I really had had no clue. So ended up working there, just found it really fascinating, all, the, all these things that I didn't know. And I, you know, trained to be a histotech there. And I was working with the, the PA at, that was there at the time. And it was just, it was really fascinating to me what she was doing and how she was cutting the different specimens and why she was taking the sections that she was taking. So I was asking her all these questions. You know, at that time, you could you could train on the job to be a pathologist assistant. And so that's what I did with her encouragement. And then she eventually left, took a job somewhere else. The pathologist there at the time said, you know, you know, they noticed that I was interested and I was already, you know, grossing biopsies and smaller specimens and things like that. And they said, all right, we can teach you the rest of this stuff. And they paid me to do it. So that it, it kind of, this opportunity just kind of fell into my lap. And because I was so fascinated by the field, I grabbed it and I just ran as far as I could go with it. When I was in training, my residency director said something along the lines of, well, patho- you know, pathology is the best kept secret in medicine. You know, which yeah, I think that, I've that heard has that. All, yeah. a lot of meanings. I think, you know, one is that, you know, not a, not a lot of graduates go into the field. And I think even within medicine, it's not really clear what, what we do in pathology. And I think, you know, maybe like a lot of things, you don't really know until you know. You don't really know until you're deep in the trenches actually doing it. Because you can kind of look, look in from the outside and say, okay, they're kind of doing something with tissue. I mean, a lot of people probably suspect your when you get a biopsy, it goes off into a machine, right? And the answer gets spit out somehow. They don't even realize there's human beings involved. I had a similar experience, you know, so what are you doing here? Why are you putting the tissue in the cassettes? What What actually happens to the tissue? Why is it cut this way? It's hard to really convey this even to even to people in medicine. For me, it was a very steep learning curve in just the first years of the training I remember, and even getting into practice, what you learn in your training isn't necessarily what you're going to encounter in the real world experience, so to speak. You know, maybe you might get this variety of specimens at your training institution and, and you know, when you go into private practice or a different hospital, you get a whole, a whole different assortment or variety of cases. So is there anything that you thought was particularly valuable in your journey, both in your training or, or once you got out into the field and anything that surprised you? There was a place I used to work, it had a very uh, large NICU. And so we got a lot of those types of cases, you know, placentas, and we did fetal autopsies and things like that. They had a, every other month, they had a perinatal M&M conference. Pathologist and us, there were two of us PAs at the time. So we would all go to this conference. I mean, I learned that what I was doing had a effect on everything else and they would they'd show these cases and they'd show gross photographs that I took and then they would discuss how that affected the the, the patient affected that that particular case and they would look at the gross descriptions that that I dictated and how that affected things and and how they would use this information to help the next patient things like that and that really had an effect on me I mean you know that it's what you're doing is part of a larger picture but to actually see it and be there while it was discussed was was very very moving for for me. I, you know, I'll never forget that. And then, you know, as you go along, things are always changing in pathology. I mean, the basic way you would handle a specimen is is, is the same. But you know, uh, there's more. The, the staging can change over over the years. 
molecular testing is becoming popular and you have to know what to do with that the different sections you know that i need to take and you know measurements and descriptions i need to provide in the gross description that changes over the years and then now uh the past three years where where i work i work with residents now so there's a lot of i have to go back and remember how i learn things and try to help them to learn them in the same way so that's that's an interesting kind of circle to complete there too This episode of Digital Pathology Today has been brought to you in part by DJT Solutions, your single source for all your digital pathology requirements, from consultation services to system requirements, including installation, training, and life cycle support. Since 1995, DJT Solutions, we are your best choice for your best results. Yeah, I think that is really neat when you can see things come full circle. And I think that need, that human need, right, to know that what you do matters, I think really is, yeah, yeah. You, you can't get away from that. And I think, you know, once you experience, you know, what really what you do matters, I think that can kind of, that kind of turns on a light bulb or can kind of change, change the whole perspective, I think. Let's bring it back to digital pathology, which is, you know, kind of what our podcast is. So what do you see on the horizon in terms of new technologies that, you know, that you will use directly in your role and that you see our field utilizing? It's certainly, there certainly is no shortage of technology, right? And we see it, you know, all across the hospital. I think radiology has been a few years ahead of us, you know, so they have all these They've been digital for a while, you know, but in terms of pathology, both in terms of the grossing, you know, the way we handle specimens and the way specimens need to be handled and slides are processed to convert to digital images, you know, what are you seeing now and where do you see this going? Well, it's interesting that you brought up the radiology uh, part of it, because that's one of them. We have, uh, there's instruments now that are, you know, for radiography of, of gross specimens, you know, typically like breast specimens. We have one of those at, at my current job. That's certainly made things more efficient. I mean, I remember when I started, you know, you'd have a breast specimen with, you know, one mass and one biopsy clip, and it was easy to find. And nowadays you've got three, four, five more clips in a, in a breast, a couple millimeters. So we use these imaging, this imaging instrument to find the clips. And now they've got the newer ones have, you can annotate those images as well. And you can measure things right on the screen to help you find these clips. And even the newer ones now, they'll take a radiographic image and a gross image at the same time. And then you can blend or kind of fade from one to the other. And it helps you visualize where the lesions are. It's easier to do than just from a a radiographic image. And some of them now are even... uh, 3d images which makes it even easier so that kind of thing is much more efficient we, we save a lot of time using that kind of technology but even voice recognition software um, which is not really new but it's fairly new to me i've only been using it for three years it's a form of ai and especially the newer versions of that they have predictive text they've got adaptable templates where if you say a certain thing it will change the, the rest of the sentence to adapt to that say if it's you know, you say something is one versus three, it'll change the is to are, it'll change the verb and things like that. You can change your cassette summary based on if it has one cassette assigned for something and you say, you know, in three cassettes, it will change it right on the screen to that. So that kind of stuff is interesting. And I've been just in my own work, 
I'll make little templates of things that I say, groups of words that I say a lot. I'll make a little template for it and I can save time that way by just inserting the template instead of saying these, you know, I'll say two words instead of, you know, 10, things like that. I think we are going to be the beneficiaries of some great technologies, but that's interesting. You brought that up about specimen radiographs and imaging techniques on gross specimens. I think that's a, a vastly underutilized area. I think we, we could do so much more because, I mean, I think pathologists may have shied away from it in the past. We've been using the specimen mammograms for the, uh, the breast lumpectomies for quite a while now. But I think pathologists, I think, have been more into grossing the specimen and just cutting and chopping. I think nowadays, as you highlighted, where now we have multiple lesions, multiple clips. I think, number one, you have to look at that specimen radiograph. Number two, you actually have to get a feel and know a little bit about what you're doing to do it. And, you know, and I think, you know, there actually was a CPT code, I believe it was 88311. Pathologists can actually bill for this service, you know, so somewhere along the way uh, at CMS or the AMA, someone actually thought maybe with foresight that pathologists actually added value in that step. But I think it's hard. Grossing specimens can be hard, particularly larger specimens. And why not augment what we do with radiographic images or imaging, the ability to image the gross specimen? You know, I mean, a surgeon wouldn't dream of operating without knowing what's going on underneath underneath the skin, so to speak. You know, so why wouldn't we avail ourselves to similar technologies in the gross room? Right. I mean, it makes you, you know, the, the radiology techniques are becoming a lot more precise. They, are, they already are. And these gross imaging systems, you know, make the grossing more precise. You can, instead of taking a lot of sections from an area, you can be more precise and take just several that are just the lesion. And what about specimen photography? How do you see that evolving? That, I think, is going to be more widely used also. I mean, we photograph most complex specimens, but I think just like you're seeing in whole slide imaging, you know, kind of the data extraction from that, there's data in the gross images also. And I think you're going to see that being used more often. And there's systems now, too, where video systems that'll have a video monitor in the OR and attached to a camera in you know in the at the grossing station so that when you're cutting the specimen the surgeon can see and you can measure margins for them right there and they can adjust what they're doing based on what they can see on the video screen so things like that they say a picture's worth a thousand words to describe something you know no matter how good of a wordsmith you are right and then to have the pathologist read that two days later you know in front of the microscope you know what the heck is this guy talking about you know versus actually having a a picture a gross picture to actually correlate with the microscopic images i think is essential or is going to be essential going forward yeah i think it's going to become more important because as digital pathology is more widely used the pathologist will be won't be on site necessarily and they might not be able to see the actual specimen so the the gross description will have to be better the yeah the photography will have to be there as well and there's some systems now that even allow you to put a gross image in the actual pathology report what's your perspective on uh, workflows is there anything that we're doing differently to handle specimens to prepare for digital pathology i've thought a lot about that like what was what would be the role then of the pathologist assistant and the histotech in the digital pathology world, because you hear, you know, it's all about whole slide imaging. 
as far as workflow, I mean, thought, well, are they going to come up with some kind of robot that's going to do the grossing and will I be out of a job? And I don't think so. The sections and the, like I said, the precision of what sections you take, definitely the size and the thickness of the sections, that's going to have to be at a, at a standard because you can only, it's got to be a quality section to get a quality slide, to get a quality scanned image. So that's going to be become more important going forward. I mean, it already is, but it's going to have to be, it's, it'll be crucial because you won't be able to have a scanned image without it. Dennis Strank from the People of Pathology podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to ask you two questions. Uh, you know, what excites you? Where do you see the field going? First, in terms of pathology, in terms of what you do, what gets you what gets you going, and where, where do you see things going in the next five or ten years? Okay, as far as what is what excites me, I mean, I with the job that I have, I see interesting things every single day. My lab that I work in is affiliated with a major cancer center, so we see all kinds of complex cancer resections, which which are challenging. I like being challenged in that way at, at my job. That's one thing. And as far as the future, I mean, like we've been talking about, the digital pathology is, you know, and the AI is coming. It's not going to replace any of us, I don't think. But we need to learn about it and we'll be able to use these things to, to do our jobs better, to better serve the patients. And, and that's important. Kind of an underlying fear in the profession, but I, I'm with you. I don't think any of us human beings will be replaced, <laughs> at least in the foreseeable future. No, I actually, yeah, I've heard it mentioned. I, I read it somewhere that, you know, AI is supposed to mean artificial intelligence, but the, someone was saying you should think of it as augmented intelligence because you still need the, the human there to use the technology to do a, a better, more efficient job. Yeah, I like that augmented intelligence. And then secondly, what what excites you about uh, your podcast? What gets you excited and where do you see things going with that? It, it's exciting to me, first of all, that people are listening and, and it grows uh, every episode. I get excited about finding new areas to to talk about on it with different people from these areas. I'm trying to get more more people outside of the U.S., uh, which I've had a few, Australia, Scotland most recently. But I'd like to I'd like to get to some other areas too. And that that would be really fun to do and just kind of have a more global, I don't know if presence is the right word, but but that kind of thing. Global presence, I think, is something to get excited about. Well, our guest has been Dennis Strank from the People of Pathology podcast. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.